Good evening, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Necromaniacs podcast. How's it going, Jeff? Good, man. Really good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, man. Uh, you know, trying to manage my uh, apocalyptic anxiety over, um, you know, the potential of uh, perishing in a nuclear inferno. But yeah, other than that, I'm doing fine. Well, yeah, that. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yes, yeah. The state of the world is, uh, I feel like, has been scary since, what, 2016 now? Yes. We're like, I feel like we're just toward a, sort of, you know, there was Trump, there was uh, COVID, and now there's, you know, uh, a, a, a crazy Russian man maybe trying to take over the world. Let's not forget the redneck uprising on January 6th. Yes. That too, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. A lot's a lot's been going on uh, uh, on that level, and uh, it sucks. There's no other way to put it. It's terrible. Yeah, and, it's a uh, uh, it's a little uh, definitely a little tense, you know. And uh, I've been watching the news a lot, and um, but not get, not trying not to get too spun out by the whole thing either, you know. Yeah, same here. I I, I try not to go go. Uh, go too hard into it like you know they just try to hope that uh everything's gonna gonna be okay you know we'll see um how much more can fucking people take you know jesus christ you know after covid you know and then now that that's kind of dying down this pops up and uh i have to say one thing though dying in the apocalypse has got to be probably the ultimate way to go because you know you're not going to miss anything yeah that's a good point but i i um it's funny. I was thinking about this the other night because I was, you know, I've been working on new music and all kinds of stuff and, um, you know, working on new music with new people, which is cool. You know, I got these other oh. projects going on, which is exciting. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, man, this is cool. And then I'm thinking about how like some megalomaniac in Russia could potentially just decide one day to fucking destroy everything. And I'll never be able to fully actualize all this cool stuff that I'm working on. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think about that, too, because, Mike, as we talked before uh, we started recording, some things are going on in my life. And I always think of, like, those zombie apocalypse movies, like the couple, like, you know, like someone was probably getting married, got a new job. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, things were going real good. And they're like, oh, this fucking this thing, this zombie thing, you know, the week and it's all done, you know. And then, like, you know, a month later, the entire world's, you know, over. I always think about stuff like that when things are going kind of good for me like like, the, like the, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like something like cataclysmic is just gonna fuck it up that you know the, the part that you're talking about is my favorite part in the zombie movies where it's the very beginnings of everything where life's normal then there'll be like some report on the news about like these you know strange people who have who are sick or whatever and that's always my favorite part of the zombie story is the beginning me too. Me too. Um, did you ever watch? I know you're watching The Walking Dead. Did you ever watch Fear the Walking Dead? Yeah, that was. Uh, I watched the first two seasons. I actually liked it, man. I, I haven't kept up on it though, but I, I thought the first two seasons were good. I watched the first season and I thought because it, it actually had what I was talking about. Like one episode opens with, in, with like a wedding, you know, like yeah. they're like, you know, fuck it, we're still going to go through with this and everything's going to be okay. And you know, it's not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's what I liked about it. It was the, the, the beginning when things were unsure and you get to see everything 
sort of breaking down or like the first five minutes of uh, Dawn of the Dead, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah, that was great. Um, you know, we're just there in the TV station. Everything's just complete chaos. And, you know, um, those are always my favorite parts of, the, of, of those things, too. There's a um, a graphic novel like the, the Night of the Living Dead. I think it was uh, maybe Boom Studios did like an adaptation of it and uh, hmm. a comic book adaptation. And the first uh, issue is like they're at the end of the first issue. They're sitting in a diner and um, it was a character who uh, it's, it's a little bit of a prequel to the movie, the original. Oh. And um, one of the characters is sitting in the diner and he's like looking out and there's all these like zombies like in the top of the hill walking towards the diner. And the oh. waitress is like, oh, what, what, uh, what do you think that's all? What are those people doing up there? And the guy's like, oh, I guess we're going to find out pretty soon, you know? And it was like, sure enough, they got attacked by these zombies, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. That, what is that called again? Night of the Living Dead. It was the Night comic of the Living book. Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, the comic book adaptation. There was like uh, a couple of trades. Like, you can get them in trades now, probably for like a couple of bucks on, on Amazon or something like that. That's got to be because it's in the public domain. Anyone can do anything with that, that property, right? That's true. That's why there was those onslaught of DVDs with all this extra stuff tacked on that you could buy over the years. Yeah, I remember like watching the movie once, and it was like a completely different like ending. I was like, am I fucking <laughs> tripping? Do I am I remembering this movie completely completely wrong? Yeah, everyone was releasing versions of that movie for a while, it seems like, you know? Yeah, I know it's in the Criterion Collection. I would probably consider that the most, if you're going to own it, the, the most d definitive one, you know? That's the version I have, actually. I mean, I, I have a couple of those bootleg ones, but I, I have the, I threw down and I got the Criterion because, you know, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Criterion, horror, I mean, that's that's a that's a winning combination. Yeah. So you've been checking out anything of note? It's been a while since uh, we talked, actually, you know, it seems. It has, yeah. I um, I listened to your Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, podcast. I also saw the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, while I was in Texas. Oh, wow. Um, I'm goofy like that, man. I like to, you know, every time ISIS would tour, like, Japan, I'd watch Japanese movies over there, you know, bring bring my little uh, portable DVD player, because that, that's how, how you did it back then. Uh, so I was like, oh, this would be kind of cool to watch a direct sequel to a movie that was, you know, I assumed that they filmed the new one there. Uh, and it was pretty obviously, pretty obvious to me right away that they did not film that there. And I looked it up. And as you mentioned it, it's uh, filmed in Bulgaria, uh, which is not a suitable stand in for, for, for Texas. I, I, I don't think. No, not for sure. Uh, it's not. Uh, to say the movie was a disappointment on every level would be a total understatement. Um, and I talked with you and 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 with uh with the other Mike too, like uh, about uh my feelings for the movie. I I really hated it. I hated it too. Um, like it was the more I think about it, the more I hated it. Actually, you know, what I mean, I hated it when we did the episode, but the as yeah. time went on, I hated I hated it even more. Actually. Yeah, because the more you get, it turns over in your brain, you're like, not one character made any sort of decision that a real person would make. It, it just made absolutely no sense. And it hits on all these hot, you know, button issues, but you do, they don't really go anywhere. There's a whole bit with the Confederate flag, but that goes nowhere. 
uh, there's a whole they like they make us kind of like a like oh isn't capitalism terrible? But like this movie has nothing to say about capitalism. It's it's just throwing things out there, but nothing sticks. If my, anything, my, I'm sorry, go ahead, man. I mean, it cut you uh, off. no, I was gonna. Say, no, it's okay. Uh, like it's funny, like people are calling it a woke movie, but I I feel like the opposite. Like it kind of has like a conservative sort of lean to it, whereas like you want these fuck these people are terrible, and the only like decent person is like. You know the fucking gun-toting redneck guy. <laughs> you know, and that, <laughs> yeah, that's like the right, one actually. guy. That's like the one guy in the movie. I was like, I hope he lives. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Like, this movie is flipped. <laughs> like, you're right. Actually, it seems like he was the only one who was kind of reasonable. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like, or or acted like a person. I guess he he was really the only like believable character in the movie. I mean. It's just a whole bunch of loose things that never come together. Like, like one of the main girls being from the town Harlow. She mentions, "Oh, my grandmother's from there." That doesn't come up again. Nothing in that movie connected. Nothing, except I did agree with you on the ending. I did think the end, the last shot or whatever, last scene was was great and deserved to be in a better movie. Too little, too late, though. Really, I mean, but yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're going to call yourself a direct sequel to one of what is probably what top five greatest horror movies of all time, you, you, you got to bring it. <laughs> you totally, know? man. You know, and, and, and the, the real, real quick about the Confederacy, like Texas joined the Confederacy kind of late in the game, actually, in the Civil War. Oh, you know? OK. So yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's um, I mean, I'm not saying they weren't part of they were for sure, but they were like kind of a late late in the game in that whole movement really it wasn't like virginia you know what i mean like where right. they were like all right right away we got to get get this shit together here we want slaves you know so right so yeah i don't know it's like i i don't know all that that whole angle like i feel like movies like um the texas chainsaw massacre speak to a more primal truth as opposed to like political stuff or like cultural things or um a movie about that, like that, should be about like survival and like primal fear and things like that, as opposed to, uh, oh well, I'm, you're offending my sensibilities. You know, that's that's not really on the table in a story like that. You know, very very odd choices made all around in that. And I know there's been some discussion about what's wrong with they're just a good fun gore fest. Well, nothing's wrong with that. But again, you're calling yourself a direct sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That movie was not good, gory fun. It was a fucking nightmare. The last 20 minutes is just like a girl screaming. And that's that's why it's so powerful. And, and there's no gore in the first movie. And there's no gore. Yeah, of course. Uh, and this, I mean, definitely brings that. Uh, it, ha it has the gore. And if that's what you want, great. And if you like the movie, great. Uh, I, I really hated it. Thought it was one of the worst movies. It's definitely the worst thing I've seen this year. I mean, it's only you know March, but still, I could see this in a top five worst of the year for me. I'll agree with that. It was it was like a huge disappointment, and um, it's funny because like when when I heard they were remaking it again or doing a not a remake but a sequel, I was like, oh god, this is going to be awful. And then, yeah. but some of the imagery that they had in the trailers and stuff, I'm like, well, you know, this might not be half bad. And then, I've, of course, I was let down. Yeah, like the, the image of Leatherface kind of blending into that the field of like, what were the dead sunflowers or whatever that was? 
Yeah, that, that was, was cool, cool right? That was very cool, you know, but But that scene could have played out so much more clever. Like instead the girl like tries to reach over to get out and you know Leatherface is gonna like the camera's gonna pan back and Leatherface is behind her. Imagine that scene where she gets out of the van, you're, like you're seeing it for, through her point of view, like looking around and you know, she kinda like like she's like, Is that a guy out there? Is that him? You know, like Yeah. There was no like like it was just no suspense. Every choice I thought they made was the wrong one, except the ending. Uh, one one more thing about it. I thought this this curve, the main girl being a school shooting survivor, was truly tasteless. Yeah. In a movie like that, if you're like, you, you, you know, it just felt, it just felt wrong for something like that. If if you're gonna bring, you know, uh, that aspect into a story, make it count, make it matter. Like, and and I thought like it was just kind of like, a, you know, a throwaway. Like, make it more of a motivation for her character, but. It, I mean, I, I think they tried to make those connections, but it just did like everything else didn't work. You know, Sally bringing back that character did not work. She, the, 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 she was a complete moron in this movie, uh, which which uh, lends credit to your conspiracy theory. I, I was I was into that, man. I was like, you know, yeah, you might be on to something. I think I'm right about that because uh, it really all the things that would connect it to Texas Chainsaw Massacre were like these like added on not inconsequential things yeah it was very weird and like the scene of him breaking down the wall and taking his chainsaw out the original chainsaw is supposed to be like a big moment like okay well he kept his chainsaw from the original massacre not the mask <laughs> not the apron yeah. and like he's got to be like 70 years old Easily. and he moves like he moves like he's batman yeah. <laughs> like he, you know what i mean yeah totally you know exactly, ah. and uh, and I, I think a, the true, true, the true Leatherface, any old chainsaw would do with him. With him, yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, like I, I, I don't. Like, oh God, that movie. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, it was uh, it was something to watch in the hotel um, while we while we were in Austin, uh, and you know, my girlfriend was hooting it up. Thought it was one of the like funniest thing like she, you would think she was watching a comedy she's just like this is just so terrible like she was enjoying it on that level um and and uh she got to take a break of me from me watching the first 48 for like six hours straight <laughs> it's like the most hotel thing to do is just to watch a show like that for like a couple hours and like oh yeah, you know yeah. like yeah you've watched like six episodes that's like on tour when you just get to the hotel room and turn the tv on and it's like cops or the first 48 or like just some fucking reality show like that and just keep it running all night yeah exactly like some movie with like gerard butler in it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um uh, other things i mean won't talk about too much but i did see the batman i know you're going to see it after we have to re we record this i'm going tonight uh, yes going tonight man uh i wish i could go back and see it for the first time again like i think you're really gonna like it uh this is my favorite batman movie and it's not even close like it is by far my favorite and i like nolan's trilogy uh i watched it before going into this it's it's different seeing them through through older eyes those movies are still good but i see see more flaws in them than, than i used to oh interesting okay uh but they're still good you know christopher nolan it, it's it's such it'd be very interesting to compare the dark knight to to this because they're both long movies they're both 
epic, but like Christopher Nolan kind of zips through his movies. Like they're long, but man, they just move, 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 move. This one's a little bit more evenly paced, a little bit, a little bit slower, but uh, that's not uh, a nitpick at all. I think it, it, it's beneficial to, to the movie. And if you're a big fan of the comic book, I think this will end up being like the definitive Batman movie for you. I think. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm, yeah, the theater is like eight minutes from where I live. It's the, uh, oh, that's the great. AMC Menlo Park Cinema, which is a dine-in theater, which, uh, and I, and I might dine in, man. I might, I might, you can order before you get there. And oh, when, when you're you know, seated, they bring your shit to you. You know, I also saw this at a place like that. It was my first time going to the Alamo Draft House. Oh, cool. Uh, a chain that started in Texas and now there's one in LA and same thing. Uh, and the food was legit good. Like I was shocked. It wasn't like crappy movie theater food. It was like real, you know, kind of bar yeah. food kind of stuff, but like, like a, a good version of that. And it's also one of those theaters that takes film very seriously. Like they will throw your ass out for talking or looking at your phone. Uh, and, uh, I respect that because, you know, movie going today is, you know, you never know what there's going to be like when I lived in New York was the worst <laughs> theater experience of two years of my life. Like every time I went to the movie, there was some fucking chucklehead talking on his phone, something, always something. That comes to uh, mind a story that me and Mike, when we we covered um, the Blair Witch uh, remake, that what the most recent Blair Witch movie. Oh, the, the sequel. Yeah, it was like a sequel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- if you <laughs> go back to that episode, uh, there's a similar. This, I kind of tell the same story, but me and Mike went together to go see it at um what it's now. It's now a Nighthawk Cinema, but it used mm. to, it used to be called the Pavilion in uh, Park Slope by the or Prospect Park rather. Okay. And it was like the the last days of the cinema. Like they were closing it down. Like they took up they took up the rug. You know, there was like. That the seating was gone. They had these like weird recliners in there and stuff. And there was no music. There was no um, like previews or anything like that. You're just sitting in this fucking dark room. And it was me and Mike. And then there's like these two like not high school chicks, but like, uh, I don't know, girls, maybe like 20, 22 or whatever. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so this girl's on her phone like the entire time with and there's nothing to drown out our conversation you know what i mean we're just oh sitting my god there and i'm like getting more fucking pissed off i'm like i hope this bitch gets off the hey, sorry sorry about that i hope this uh young lady gets off the um the phone you know when yeah. the movie starts right the movie starts right still on her yeah. phone right and i go excuse me can you get off your phones she's like i'm not on my phone i'm like you're on your phone. I'm like, how are you? What do you mean you're not on your phone? I can hear you talking. You're not on your phone. <laughs> I love that when people just like. You no, I'm not on I'm my like, phone. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh, man. You know, hey, I could have got shot. Didn't someone get shot recently from from saying something like that? Yeah, I don't know if it was recently. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. I, I feel like that probably happens like, like at least a couple times a year. A year probably like yeah. like people getting an altercation over something so dumb like that but yeah no it's irritating man uh god i remember going to see the brothers grin at some theater in new york and this guy and his girlfriend sat in front of me got like 
two huge things of popcorn, soda, candy, the whole night. Like, you know, he probably spent like 60 bucks and like 10 minutes in, he just said, what the fuck is this movie? What the, what, what the fuck are we watching? Like, like trying to get like the crowd on his side. I mean, in his defense, that was a terrible movie, <laughs> yeah. but um, I, I, I just never like, like New Yorkers are just a different breed, man. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are, man. And uh, I'm, the, you know, the show, the the uh, Batman opened last week, so I'm hoping this week it's not as jammed because I tried to see it last weekend, but every show was sold out. So, yeah, and you know, weirdly enough, it's coming to HBO Max next month. I want to see this so, on the screen for sure. You definitely want to see that. This is a theater movie if there ever was one. Uh, it was great sound in the theater we saw it at. Uh, the score was booming. The whole, you know, Batmobile sounded great. Everything about it, man, like. Like uh, seeing something on a big screen with great sound, there's really nothing better. Like I, I really feel that you can't quite duplicate it at home yet. Yeah, I, I definitely will probably never be able to duplicate uh, sitting in a movie theater at my house. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess one last thing I'll mention. Like I said, I was in Austin. I drove out there. I didn't fly, so listened to a lot of podcasts. And uh, one I just want to mention: it's exclusively on Spotify. So if you've deleted your Spotify account because you hate misinformation, you can't listen to it. Um, uh, it it's called Gene and Roger. And it's all about the beginnings of, it's all about basically the careers and life of uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I am, I was a very big fan of that show as a little, as a little kid. And I think Roger Ebert has a huge part in why I'm such a, a, a film fan. Every year I would get his, his uh, year-end book where he, all his reviews would, uh, that were, would, would be compiled into uh, this year-end book along with some essays he wrote. You know, it's like, I think the first time I ever read about the Cannes Film Festival was from Roger Ebert. Uh, so it was really nice to go through, like, and, and listen to all that stuff again. And uh, just reminded me how sad I was when, when, or how sad I am that just, we don't have those guys in the world anymore. Yeah. That, I, I actually might check that out. I, um, you know, I, I still have Spotify. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not, that doesn't, you know, please don't, don't, you know, try to frame this as some kind of right wing conspiracy that I listen to, you know, still have uh, Spotify. Uh, yeah. so, um, but I, I still, uh, you know, check stuff out on Spotify and, um, so yeah, I'll definitely be tuning into that. Yeah. I mean, I use, uh, you know, usually use the other app, but like this was only on Spotify. So I was like, you know, I really wanted to hear it. And, uh, each episode is probably like 25, 30 minutes. You can zip through it. It's like probably like eight or nine episodes You can zip through it on like, you know, one, one, you know, trip or whatever. Uh, one one sitting. Uh, it, it definitely like killed a, a nice chunk of the of the drive, uh, the first day. And if yeah, if, if you're all a fan of those guys or like you know the history of film criticism, I I, I highly recommend it. Good stuff. But uh, yeah, what about you, man? What have well, you been What have you been up to? Um, I just recently watched uh, Diabolical, the uh, the boys uh, animated thing on Prime. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I think I've seen the ad, but like I've never like uh, never checked it out. I'm a huge fan of the boys, the uh, Garth Ennis comic book series from uh, back in the day, 
And right. uh, the TV show on Prime is great. I really enjoyed both seasons. And there's like a, a little side mini series of these animated shorts that I checked out. And uh, there, some of them were really good. Some of them were like meh. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And uh, but it was an interesting concept. It was like they go into um, some of the backstory on a couple of the characters, and then some of the other stuff are these just um, related almost uh peripheral things that go on you know yeah so, some some of the ep- i mean they're short they're like 15 minutes long maybe and uh some of them are just like eh, that was a waste of my 15 minutes but some of them were actually really good okay yeah so we're checking out and um i've been talking to mike about this but i've been really really into severance which is on the apple plus app and um very 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 compelling show. Um, Brandon Legion, uh, he's the one who actually told me about this. And uh, uh, the Horror Wolf podcast, right? Yeah, Horror Wolf podcast. <laughs> yes. And uh, I really, really like it. It's um, it has like a Thomas Ligotti sort of vibe to it. It's almost like if you took Thomas Ligotti and Philip K. Dick and mm. com- combined them. And this is it's a story. That's very similar to um, some of the stuff that's in uh, in the the Gotti's uh, Teatro Grotesco, where there's um, those the short stories like the Town Manager and uh, you know the Red Tower and uh, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing, where it's like the uh, dystopian workplace environment scenario. Yeah, very theme he comes back to. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Writing, yeah. So this has to do with like a corporate environment where they have um, all the employees. They they sever their out 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 of work personality and their inside work personality. So when they're working, it's like you don't you don't exist outside of your job. Like you perpetually are in the workplace environment. Like you mm. you leave your physical body leaves but you have two two aspects of who you are, right? And then when you're outside, you have no idea what's going on or even what this other person's life is like or what you're even doing inside the workplace. Oh, wow. That's very, that sounds uh, – that that's nothing like I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, man. And then there's there's a part which made me think even more of like uh, Ligotti, the specifically um, the, uh, the darkness, the shadow, um, the last – uh, book in Teatro Grotesco, the last uh, mm-hmm. short story. Yeah, where the one character via videotape, because the other character, one character really, she like wants you know get out. She doesn't want to do this, and there's like a, a video message from her outside personality being like, "Well, you don't even. I exist. You don't exist." Wow, and it's like that whole like the darkness, the shadow, and like your intellect and all that sort of stuff is like a, a daydream of this, like other, you know, I don't, that whole like esoteric sort of, you know, existential sort of vibe to it. And there's, there's a lot of that in the film. And then in the last uh, episode, there was like a very weird fiction thing happens where there's like this amorphous black mass of like dripping. I don't know. It's cool. Very cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. Um, I wonder if, um, the creators of the show were inspired by Legati. Um, that I don't. I'm going to try to. Yeah, I could see that, man. I mean, it's uh, it's got a great cast too. It's got you know, it's got um, that uh, what the hell is the guy's name? The dude that was in uh, um, 
He was in uh, 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 East Pound and Down, Adam, whatever his name is. Oh, the dude from Party Down and uh, Parks and Rec and all that. Like, what is his fucking name? Yeah, he's like a comedic actor, but he's playing a straight role, you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I, I remember hearing about that show, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that has anything to do with the movie Severance. Like, they took that idea and are gonna, now going to make it into a show. Not, I uh, thought it's the same thing, actually, because like, there was that UK film Severance, which was really good. And, yeah, I like that. Uh, we covered that during one of the director's other movies, uh, Creep. Yep. Yep, and then yeah. uh, it's got uh, John Turturro, Christopher Walken, uh, Patricia Arquette is in it. Oh wow! Um, yeah, Christopher Walken. Yeah, it, legend. Yeah, legend. You know, Turturro, awesome. Also a legend too, really. You know? also, also in the Batman, and he's very good in it. Oh man, yeah. So I've been checking that out, um, and as a result of that, I went back and reread most of uh, Teatro Grotesco. That's uh, one of my favorite collections. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that of course, after reading all those stories, I had very, very intense nightmares and stuff. You know. But... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny. That same thing <laughs> happens to me. Uh, the Shadow, the Darkness is the very first thing I ever read by Legati. I had I had bought this collection of short stories called Nine 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 because I was taking a Greyhound bus from Boston to Asheville, North Carolina, <laughs> and uh, I. So it's like, oh, okay, this is a longer story. I'm, I'm up. I'll read this. So I, that was my introduction to Tom Sagatti at like one in the morning on a Greyhound bus, <laughs> <laughs> reading that. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, that, if that's the first uh, thing you read by him, that, that kind of lays out his whole philosophy, really. You know, that, that one short story. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, like you said, a lot, a lot, a lot of his themes that, that pop up in his other work is, yeah, is, is very present in that story. Yeah. Uh, then another thing I checked out was uh, an old. An, no, it's not old, but it came out like five years ago. It's a movie called Thumper. Thumper. Yeah. It's um, I saw this like on Netflix a long a while ago, and it was just like this um, like a story about like an undercover cop in high school. It's like this this female cop. And they're trying to frame, or for, not frame, but they're trying to uh, prosecute these, like, drug dealers, these, like, meth dealers in, like, some random Midwestern uh, lower-income town. That, and uh, it's, I for some reason, I had this desire to watch it again. So I ended up renting it and um, yeah. you know, for, like, $3 or something. And it's got, uh, it's got Pablo Schreiber in it, who plays, like, the, the main bad guy. I don't know if you know who that is. That name sounds very familiar. He was in American Gods. Um, he was also in the second season of The Wire. And uh, he's one of these guys that you would see him and you would recognize him. You know. But who is he in The Wire? All right. You remember the, um, <clears throat> the, the Longshoremen, the Stevedores? Yeah. yeah. The, the more sensible of the brothers who ended yeah, up. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah that guy. Yeah, he's in this like kind of shitty but kind of awesome movie, Den of Thieves, with uh, Gerard Butler. Okay. So if you're ever in a hotel on tour and Den of Thieves is on, <laughs> watch it. Yeah, and um, then between The Wire and this these films, he got like jacked. Like he was in The Wire, he was this kind of like skinny dude. Now he's like all yoked up and everything. So, so he plays like this. Uh, he's like a vet, and he's like a meth, you know, meth uh, cook. And there's all these random high school kids that are selling meth 
And it's kind of it, the reason why I watched it originally is I felt like it was based on a true story where there was the uh, the cop who was like a, a grown woman, but she was in high school. She had in, in, embedded herself undercover, and she was in like some romantic relationship with this high school kid, and used him to um, you know to get at the criminals. You know what I mean, or the drug dealers. So basically, this is like a dark Twenty One Jump Street. No, um, not really. No, I mean, it's like, it's just like that. It's a low life film. You know, it's about like that low life, you know, that whole, that's, like, that's your shit though, man. You it, love that. Stuff. I, I really, I do actually, you know, where like you imagine these kids are into like mud vein and, and like, you know, new, new metal and stuff like that. Mushroom, but not like, like the, the first wave, like the third wave of like, you know, like mushroom, <laughs> yeah. mushroom head and mud yeah. vein. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're not into corn. They're into like the new Jack like new metal stuff you know yeah yeah like static x <laughs> and uh so yeah and uh lena Headey is in it she plays like this um you know police person like a you know cop but you know cop she plays a cop and then uh daniel weber who played vince neal in that uh in in the dirt is in it too and he plays the guy that's being victimized by the um by the police you know ah okay all right yeah, yeah i barely remember seeing the dirt uh, uh, so I, I guess I didn't like it. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> um, it was it was garbage. I, I didn't like it at all. It was really it was really bad. I, I was just trying to be nice. Uh, yeah. great book though. It was one of those books I read on tour in like two days. Yeah, me too. And I don't yeah. give a single fuck about Molly Crew. No, no, me but, neither. Not at all. Um, yeah, but uh, that was that was. If, if you're a musician or in a band or whatever, like I mean, that's a must read. I, it just is. That's kind of how it is, you know. Like that's. Our our tour life is very similar to Motley Crue's tour. Life. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's what people think touring is like at like the, the level that you know uh, Tombs or ISIS did, and you know, and, and like people think it's like this nonstop party, but it's really just this strict schedule you stick by. <laughs> it's like, like the same five people or seven people, or whatever. You just see the same faces every day. You get to know way too much about everyone that you're around, and then. Any time that you might be talking to someone that's cool, you have to leave. You know, that's pretty much does the story, really. Yeah, exactly. But everyone sees like or reads the dirt and thinks, "Oh, you're in a band." Like, yeah, like you, you like that's what it's like. And I mean, fuck, I mean, <laughs> that's I mean, <laughs> you're like could be further from the truth like or, throwing, or our truth. Throwing TVs out the window of the hotel and like doing coke off of like strippers and all that. You know, that's that's yeah, it's exactly what it's like. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if if anyone in our band threw TV out the window, well, it would be me, obviously. Um, but I uh, know I never, you know, you you go to the hotel and you go to bed because you have to get up in four hours. Or you watch like the first forty-eight, and that's on. Or you watch the first forty-eight, or yeah, or a movie with like Gerard Butler in it that you didn't know existed. Yeah, <laughs> that that's tour right there, folks. So yeah, that's 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 about it for me, man. And before we get going, I just want to shout out to everyone. Uh, you know, we got our, our I mentioned Brandon Legion. So uh, please check out the Horror Wolf Six 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 podcast and Breaking the Apocalypse, which is our uh, Mike's uh, brother is uh, one of the co-hosts on that. And uh, I've been listening to that every Friday, you know. And also another quick shout out to Into the Necrosphere, my uh, my brother uh, Jackie Smith's podcast. And um, yeah, that's. Uh, he mentioned it on one of his most recent episodes where I feel like there's a uh, little bit of a little community going on between those shows, my other show, Everything Went Black, and Necromaniacs. Mm. So it's pretty cool. Agreed. 
Yeah. Agreed on all accounts. All right. So what are we getting into today, man? All right. So we're going. We're doing Hellbender, which just recently dropped as a Shutter exclusive, and it's the brand new film by the Adams Family. And for those, uh, you know, regular listeners, we had a special, which came out the day after this uh, showed up on on Shutter, and it was an interview with uh, all three of the Adams Family members. Well, there's actually four. But Lulu was not able to join us, so I interviewed John, Zelda, and Toby, and um, always really, really cool people. I, I, I actually, in a weird way, I kind of feel like they're friends, in a, you know, in like a, a very, um, I don't know, like kind of a generic way. I feel kindred friend- spirits sort of way. Yeah, yeah, friendly. Like they said a lot of things like that. I that I resonated with. Like you know, John was like, "Yeah, we're like the black flag of filmmaking," and I'm like, "Yeah, I, I I'm very much can can see that. They're always working on stuff. As a matter of fact, they have a, a brand, another film that they're. I mean, for all I know, they completed it by now. But at the time of the interview, they were working on a, their follow up to this movie, and uh, yeah, they're just like grinding it out. They have a very um, unique approach um, and also just like I also think a very unique voice when it comes to making horror films. So. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, uh, I checked out that interview as well, because while I didn't like uh, the deep you dig as much as you did, I still thought there was elements of it that were really interesting and their whole dynamic. I was a little confused by it first. And I had three people direct a movie. But now, after, you know, seeing another film by them, listening to the interview, I, I, I sort of get it now. Like, um, it really is a family affair. I mean, Patton Oswalt, comedian Patton Oswalt, was just j- joked on the King cast that uh, this, was, this movie had the shortest end credits ever because it's like four people did everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, so you've seen, obviously you've seen The Deeper You Dig because we both covered it earlier yes. on, you know, a couple months ago. You see, you've seen Hellbender, right? Yes. And, yes. That, and that, have you seen any of their other films? I have not. And after seeing Hellbender, I'm definitely curious of where, where they came from and where they're going next. Well, The Hatred was, was awesome, too. I saw The Hatred and uh, I saw Knuckle Jack, which is like not a horror film and more of mm. like a, a drama. Once again, in that low life world, which I seem to you know really enjoy. And, yes. <laughs> and uh, and. You know, kind of like a mumblecore, you know, I hate that term, but that's, people will know what I mean when I say that. I know exactly what you mean when you say that, yeah. Yeah, and, um, but but enjoyable and compelling, though, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of good stuff came out of that sort of genre, like, you know, the whatever, mumblecore, whatever you want to call it. A lot of, a lot of good, good directors came out of that. Um, but they didn't start out as horror filmmakers specifically. No, like, no, uh, and, a, no uh, they did not, no. Right, but that seems to be where they're heading. It's, they seem to really like to like have a, a, a respect and love for the genre. Well, the thing I that I think that one of the great things they pulled from making j- dramas before going into genre films is characterization. You know, I mean, I mean, you and I are fans of horror, and uh, I'll watch a lot of horror films that just have like a good idea but kind mm-hmm. of like paper thin throwaway characters, you know? Right. And having uh, all this experience with, um, with dramas, they, their characters are developed. Like there's a backstory. There's like, 
and not all of it is like explained to you it's all sort of like inferred in a lot of ways like there's like stuff that's not stated directly but as you observe the way the characters interact with each other you can see there's some character development and you can piece together what their backstory is you know and um yeah yeah and i think that's like a really really special skill to have to bring to genre films no yeah uh absolutely yeah i i completely agree like i even like wrote down somewhere in here that was like there's not really a lot of exposition in this movie at all uh there's maybe like one scene where like there's like an exposition dump but really it just like kind of like lays it out and you kind of put the pieces together i mean some things are, are 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 told to you but you really get a sense of who these people are and that's one thing i did like about their last movie the deeper you dig like you really get a sense of who these these characters are like they like through just just little little things like like you said like you mentioned like in the deeper you dig like the the father the guy just kind of eating dinner alone and you know you get the feeling like he's had kind of had like a rough life that's not told to you but you just assume it yeah it's in his actions like in his face you know and and just his his demeanor and all that you know and it's um it's it's all explained to you you know the way the guy carries himself like he's just like this loner who there's some thing in his past that's put him in this place you know yeah yeah, and uh, his like uh, a credit to his acting. First time around, I didn't even realize that was him playing the, uh, the hiker. Like he couldn't have <laughs> like, but it was such a different character, and it just looked completely different. He didn't have the the, the Death Haven haircut, <laughs> um, Death Heaven, whatever. Um, uh, I was like, oh wait, that was uh, that was the uh, the dad. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, totally didn't even realize it. And yeah, just uh, he's got obviously. That's another thing I, I, I'll, I'll probably point out. The acting within the family is is the strongest uh, in this movie. Like uh, like them being such a tight unit definitely benefits like uh, the, the the movies they make. They're definitely comfortable in scenes together, and those the scenes that felt the most natural uh, in in the movie. Uh, I actually the, the one big revelation I did not, not know there was another daughter. I did not know Lulu Adams was. Um, the sister of Zelda didn't know that. Yes. Uh, apparently she's not so into the filmmaking, uh, trip. So she's pursuing other things. Alleged, you know, apparently, apparently. Allegedly. Okay. Not, well, not, alleg- not allegedly. I misspoke. I meant oh. apparently, apparently. Oh, there's no okay. alleged right. about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that brings us to, uh, to Hellbender, which, um, I was, I was fortunate enough to see this a while ago. And, um, so I watched it a couple times, like, you know, I got like a screener and then I yeah. watched it again when it showed up on, uh, on shutter after the debut. And, um, so yeah, so here we are, we're talking about it and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's come out in a time when there, there's a lot of these types of, uh, folk horror types of films. Like you and I talked about antlers, you know, that came out recently. Um, right. You know, late last year, Severn put out that boxed set of, uh, of, um, folk horror along with the documentary about a three hour documentary about the subject. And, uh, it seems to be in the, the, the sort of consciousness of people, this, you know, nature based, uh, folklorish, uh, female centric sort of films. 
and and this yeah. this uh, definitely. But true to uh, to most of their films, it's not really about that per se. Like that's like the backdrop for the film. What it's really about is like mother daughter relationship and a woman growing into a, a, a young girl growing into a woman and realizing her full powers really i uh felt the exact same i i i wrote down the same thing like this really is uh, a mother-daughter story of really about a mother's anxiety and and a daughter's curiosity and coming in, in into her own and um after seeing I, i've only seen two of their films now but i i unsurprisingly family is a really strong theme in their work i've noticed yeah and it's not like this uh conventional thing that they discuss in their films that's not that's not the that's not the conversation you know what i mean it's like right. this this very um i would say almost instinctual familial kind of vibe that they're that they're trying to uh to communicate with you you know it's and um so yeah so i mean some of the some of the key elements and i don't want to go into every aspect of the plot because it's a i want everyone to see the film and and just kind sure. of take their their own what they can take out of it but but essentially um we have uh, the, the, the character's name. Zelda plays Izzy. Toby plays the mother. And uh, Lulu Adams plays this uh, renegade uh, girl, Amber, who's on the outside. And then uh, John John Adams is like, uh, you know, this, this hiker who has a very small part in the film. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly small. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, like a, he's like a, a, almost like an extra in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, that was another reason why I was like, wait, that was him? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and the writing and directing credits are shared by uh, by uh, John, Zelda, and Toby. So the three of them all collab were collaborative on the production of this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, like, right off the bat, like, this movie has, like, such a, like, weird, like, 70s feel to it. Like, I can imagine this existing as, like, some obscure thing that was made in like 1973. Like it kind of it, it, it is paced like an old, just weird movie. It kind of reminded me a little bit of let's uh, scare Jessica to death ah, where like you kind of feel like the movie is like meandering. There's just a lot of like long, long scenes of like not a lot happening, but like there's just something spooky and eerie about it. This movie reminded me a lot of, of something like that. I, you know, I was thinking the same thing that it had like a, a, a throwback vibe because of, uh, you know, these days like films are very cutty. You know, there's like fast edits and things get to they get to the point very quickly. And um, and this movie definitely develops and is like has more of a brooding sort of nature to it. And, uh, you know, and they there's there's also apparent this was filmed during the pandemic, too. So. Yeah, I, I wrote that down, too. Uh, it does have a little bit of that feel to it. There's, like, a scene where, like, the mother and daughter are talking to, uh, I think it's a park forest ranger or something, and you can tell, like, they're standing, like, the uh, mandatory six feet apart. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, that's not a, a complaint. You know, you had to do what you had to do to, to get movies made during the pandemic. Well, apparently, um, uh, the, the original script had other elements in it that were removed as a result of having to shoot uh, in like you know under you know whatever social distancing rules, right? But oh, that's I, interesting. I didn't know that. Yes, but I think that it actually benefits like the kind of isolationist um, atmosphere in the film because really it's about 
you know, Izzy and the mother are living out in the woods by themselves. And um, the mother has convinced Izzy that she's, uh, she's sick, you know, which also, mm. you know, plays on just you know, as well as the anxiety that everyone was going through about being sick and staying away from people. And, um, but the, tr- the reality, and this is not giving away any major plot elements, is that the mother and the daughter are part of a line of these like supernatural creatures. Okay. And, um, you know, and, and she's actually trying to shield her from manifesting her true nature, you know, and as a result, she has to stay in the woods. She can't really be around people. And she has to have a strict, strict diet of no meat. Or nothing living. Nothing, right? nothing lit. Well, I guess you're right. Nothing, has- nothing living. Yeah. Cause she's eating like, like pine cones and things like that. Yeah, there was that shot of them, like, yeah, having dinner, and it's like, yeah, pine cones and and, and stuff like that. It was one of the more in- interesting elements to me that, like, and she's just a teenager, and she's just accepting it. Like, this is her life. And that and, play, plays just with, like, the whole element of growing up as a kid. Like, you just believe what your parents tell you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you see, like, uh, that the mother probably grew up maybe – too exposed to the, the this thing that they are and 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 she's fighting within herself to be the uh you know is fighting like this this good and evil struggle within within the mother and she doesn't want to pass that on to the daughter and wants to protect her at, at at all costs and and the thing that they are this uh this creature i would say is uh you know and we didn't we didn't really talk about this in the interview but because actually, at the time of the interview, I hadn't seen the film, and um, oh, it's uh, I saw the I saw the film after we did the interview. They sent me a, a screener. So, the actual entity or the supernatural element to this is not exactly like a Wendigo, but is similar in some ways to a, like a Wendigo like spirit kind of thing. Yeah, and. I felt like that stuff wasn't completely fleshed out. Like it didn't have like a really like great sense of what they were, what their purpose was, but that's okay. Because really like, it's sort of, like you said, like it's, it's kind of like the background to this, this mother daughter story. Yeah. I mean, like when, of age story. When, when we watched antlers, it was about a Wendigo. So you had to go into the deep, you know, folklore about that, but this, it's not really about that. It's about like a relationship and growing up and all that. Right, yeah, and it, it, it's just like I, I, again, like uh, I, like there was it, there wasn't like a ton of like narrative thrust to, to this movie. It really is just kind of like a lot of scenes of like the mother and the daughter, and but it kind of works more as like this experimental like art film, and giving say like that the drama background, like it also kind of works as like an indie drama, you know what I mean? With like supernatural overtones and this kind of experimental nature. Yeah, exactly. And then that's what I liked about it. And, and the, um, the, it was shot. It looked great too, man. There was like some awesome, you know, film work going on in that too. Yeah. I, I want I wanted to point that out. Like the, the, the effects were much better in this than their, than their last movie. Like, uh, it's not an effects heavy film by any means, but uh, there's cool, like, you know, they're doing like these sort of like waving their hands and making this like dust drawings and stuff out of the air. And, and it looked very believable. It didn't like look digital or anything like that. Um, there's also these like weird psychedelic montages that are uh, 
that are pretty that are awesome also lending into the, the 70s experimental vibe yeah in the 70s like uh that acid thing was like more front and center you know what i mean now now it's uh now it's meth you know what i mean <laughs> but back in yeah. the 70s people were you know experienced like the psychedelic world you know it, it almost kind of reminded me at times of altered states where they would have that with those just weird bursts of psychedelic imagery. Uh, and, and this movie had some of that too with, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, the mother kind of like watches over the daughter, like both like you know, literally like, you know, watches over her, but she also does these like sort of like, I, I don't know what they were, just like spells where she can kind of like see what the daughter's up to at all times. Yeah. I, I, I then that plays into the folk part of this thing, you know, where there's like, uh, yeah, this element of, of witchcraft and the supernatural and, you know, there's, um, you know, that element, the supernatural element to this thing. Also they're, they're in a heavy metal band too, which, uh, <laughs> is, <laughs> which actually was that cut was like in the beginning, it kind of gives a little bit of like a, a backstory of, you know, like there's like a, a shot from the past, obviously, and then it cuts mm. to them jamming out in, in their practice space. Um, you know, where Zelda's playing drums and Toby's the bass player and singer. And I, and note that the mic, the microphone placement is, uh, is very reminiscent of Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Rick and Bacher bass is, but also what, uh, what Lemmy played, right? That's right. And, uh, we now, I know from listening to your interview with them that they, they are very much into, uh, you know, alternative and metal and stuff like that. And that the band in the movie, they're an actual band, right? Like the mother, the daughter, the, the father, they're all in a band together, right? Yeah. Hellbender. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that it started out at, apparently as Hellbender was the band, you know? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> God, what a <laughs> close family. I can't imagine being in a band with, uh, with, 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 oh, no. with my family. Definitely not. No. Imagine being in a band with your parents. <laughs> nope. Not even not even remotely. Yeah, so it is kind of like a jarring beginning. You have this this uh opening that kind of sets up, you know, there's something going to supernatural is gonna be happening. I wasn't sure what time it was supposed to be. I thought it was gonna be like ancient, ancient, but then someone like takes out like a a pistol. So I'm like, Oh, it can't be that old. And it was like a like a six shooter, like maybe it was like, you know, late 1800s cowboy times or whatever but you, you get a sense it was a long time ago and then there's this just jarring cut to these two two girls just rocking out in, in, in their basement <laughs> yeah but that once again it's like you got a teenage girl there's no one around so what how do you how do you manage that you know like what do you do to like develop that person you know you can only take so many walks in the woods you can only like learn about like herbs and roots and all that stuff for so much you have to express yourself some way you know and, and you know in the modern era let, let's do a band you know yeah yeah exactly and like you know like you sense her growing frustration with her life like at one point she's going through her heist and she meets this uh going on one of her hikes and meets, meets, meets like a hitchhiker and I think that is really what begins like her curiosity about like what else is, is out there. Um, I mean, it takes a while to get there. This film is like 80 for 84 minutes long, but it still takes its time really like doling everything out. Like I, like I said, it's not like a huge narrative thrust to it, but uh, for me, like I thought like the, the, her interaction with uh, 
with the uh, the hiker was was the beginning of her like I think there's a whole world out there that she, she gets curious about like and uh, you know she sees this girl like in this house and is curious about who's she what's this you know what's this like you know can I have friends can I have a normal life well did you catch that uh, that the the hitchhiker his his niece is Amber yes I did I did yeah. catch that yeah yeah I figured like. Yeah, because that's what I mean. That that's why you know he mentions that to her, and then like she kind of maybe goes exploring because of that. Like, oh, there's other people out here too, and uh, you know Amber couldn't be more different than uh, than Izzy. Well, she's just a regular girl, like just a regular normal kid. You know, they're <laughs> swimming in someone else's pool, partying. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I like that the, she's like uh, fascinated by her, and it's not like a, a sexual thing at all. She's just really fascinated by this the, this person at first, is like who who can just have a, a a normal life and have friends and 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 drink tequila and do all these things that she can't do. Now the tequila part is um, that's like very uh, that's like the, a a pivotal point in the film because there's a worm in the tequila. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, in, in your in your travels across this globe, have you ever eaten the worm? I have never eaten a worm. No, I, I have. In Japan, I drank this thing. They came this. They brought out this jar of this alcohol with a snake in it, like a fermented <laughs> snake. Oh man! And uh, I was like, "Yeah, I'll try." I mean, like it's one thing. I'm just I'm just not really afraid of snakes. Um. And it was like one drink, and 15 minutes later, I was on the floor. It was the strongest thing I've ever had in my life. But, uh, but I've never had a, a tequila worm. Did you think the snake um, had something to do with the strength of the alcohol? Um, maybe. Like there was like some maybe. like kind of venom or something. So some kind of venom in there, yeah. Like I turned into like a fucking superhero or something <laughs> afterwards. Um, but... Uh, yeah, like it, like the well, let's talk about the pool scene uh, a little bit. Um, uh, I, I mentioned before, like the acting between the the, the the family members is is really solid, really good all around. I feel like some of the outsiders, like in this movie, don't give as good as good of a performance. Like the pool scene played out kind of like awkwardly and and weird. Like there's just like a drum set there, <laughs> and uh, like, <laughs> but like, it was awkward and weird. But like, I was like, I think this has to like be intentional. Like you're supposed to see it from from Izzy's point of view and how like just awkward and weird all of this is for her. I could see that. Um, some of the yeah, the acting by the the other people w- was a little bit uh, you know a little strained. I think, but. Um... Yeah, you know, I mean that's it is what it is. You know that's that's how things roll sometimes. But uh, I I really was digging on on the just the alien alienation vibe of someone who doesn't really interact with people, and this is like this whole other world of you know this this other girl you know who's maybe a couple of years older or whatever maybe and like she has this like this this drinking she's never had alcohol before and there's a there's a she has to eat the worm. I've never, I mean, I'm not a big, you know, partier, but uh, I, I also yeah. have never eaten a worm either. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I just, I don't know, like, uh, other than like a, 
woohoo party thing, I don't think it, it benefits you in yeah. any I mean, way I'm, whatsoever. I'm probably more likely to actually eat a worm, like, without the tequila. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as a kind yeah, of survival, so. like, tactic or something, you know? But, yeah. Like, you're, you're like, yeah, you're stranded in the woods, like, your van broke down, you just wandered off to get gas and got lost. Yeah, something like that. Exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. No, but. Yeah. But sure. the, the worm, the flesh, the life essence is what superchargers her. And it's like almost this like psychedelic experience, this like glimpse into another world that exists that is within her reach to be yet fully manifested. You know what I mean? And that's when things start changing for her. Yeah, the dynamic like between her and the mother start to change. The mother like, you know, uh, the worst things that, you know, like her anxiety is realizing maybe I can't protect her from the world or the world from, from her <laughs> or, uh, and, um, you know, that's like, like I said, like minor, like I wish the movie sort of had a little bit more of like a narrative path. Cause like you, you get like that moment and you think, Oh, things are going to be different and they are slightly, but it's still like, a lot of scenes, just the, the mom and the daughter sort of ha like hanging out. Like I kind of thought like, oh, you know, you're going to see this like dark change in Izzy. And you do see it, well, but it's like very, very subtle. Yeah. And but now I'm going to say that uh, the first time around, the first viewing, I kind of felt similar to you. Mm. The second time I watched it, the more I started, maybe I had some time to reflect on it. I was thinking more about just growing up, like growing up with as, as a kid. And, uh, you know, one day you're, you're reading comic books on the couch, you know, and, and, you know, throwing the football around or whatever, you know, riding your bikes. And then slowly you turn into this guy who's like listening to punk rock music and, and like drawing upside down crosses, like in his bedroom, <laughs> you know? Right. It's not oh, like, no. a, yeah, it's not like an overnight thing, you know, it's, um, you know, you're rejecting Christianity and stuff, you know, and. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, you don't just go from zero to sixty. You're not just like one day you're this nice, regular kid, and the other day you got like a mohawk and you know, tattooing like the black flag bars and stuff like that. You know, right? That that is a good point. I also like broke down uh, like this movie. Like, uh, like why it doesn't really convey the passage of time very well. Like, and there was a moment in the line, like, oh, remember your friend from last year? I was like, what? That was a year ago? Yeah, that was, I didn't, it didn't, that's, I agree with that. The passage of time is not conveyed very well in this film. It seems like it all takes place within, like, a month or something like that. Yeah, like, that's one of the, the, uh, the uh, criticisms I would have for it. It was, was that, that was a little weird. Like, yeah, it all feels, like, very compact. Like, this is happening over, like, a week or so, but, uh. Uh, they do show like how like there is darkness to Izzy that that the mom is was concerned about, and then they do it very subtly. You know, they don't show it like you know with her like with like ominous music or anything like that. But there's a nice scene of her and the mother like they're kind of she's kind of teaching her about the what about what she is, and she picks up a stick and she turns it into a flower. But you know, Izzy turned like what she turns the stick into is much darker and uh, you know troublesome. And that little moment just, uh, I think, really conveyed it well that there's something within her that 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 the mother is is right to be afraid of. Yeah, and and uh, that gets underscored more as the film progresses. 
you know. But I don't know. It's funny. It's like I don't. I, I maybe and this might be a personal point of view. Is like I don't necessarily like I see this movie more as like an allegory, but I don't necessarily yeah. feel that there's like it's not so much like a good evil thing. It's like different uh, overtones of the same thing, like different harmonics that certain people exist on. You know, it's like um, the same way. Like out of all the people that we know as people there's some you know some people who are more light you know they're into like you know the more lighter aspects of life and there's some people who are dark who are into like the more darker sinister stuff you know and it's like you know some and that's just um the harmonics of people you know and that's kind of what i feel felt this movie i mean this movie was like a little more hyperbolic than that at the end sure but yeah but that also has to do with like destroying like your older like who you used to be and re, re giving a rebirth to the, a new person or who you are going to be, you know? Yeah, and I think a moment I really like is uh, I won't give too much away is the, is the poem that um, that uh, that she reads to her mother. And uh, it really just sums up like what's happening and the changes that are happening and like uh, you know, like just feeds into to, to the mother's uh, uh, you know, fear and, and anxiety. I thought that was a great moment. Uh, I really like the shared dreaming aspect of it too, and all the imagery that went along with that. I really liked that aspect of the movie a lot. Yeah, it's that. That's one of the biggest selling points of the film is how it looks, and and I just you know I think it looks tremendous, man. It's just the the dreamy aspect, the, the way the colors are being used, these psychedelic parts. You know, it's um, I have to say it's not really like anything I've ever really seen before on on out of like, a, you know, a Shutter exclusive, you know. Yeah, it, it, it moves to the beat of its own drum like they those guys, they are on their own wavelength and I'm, just, I, I'm coming around to it. Like um, there, there's this one shot in the movie where it looks like this like like leper or someone like wrapped in like, you know, all these like, you know hermit clothes of like walking up a hill while someone is perched on a light it's like i i don't even know why that shot's in the movie but it's it's gorgeous like it's such a cool shot and i know it's like a, a, a dream or whatever but like like that's a that's a great shot like i would put that as a screensaver you know yeah. <laughs> on, on my tv uh i also yeah the, the locations uh i don't know if you caught that like there's a a, a scene where where, where the daughter's going hiking and she walks by this like tree that's like uh, falling down. It looks like the same place where they shot uh, a scene in D uh, The Deeper You Dig. Well, the scene be. where like the daughter's floating in the background and she and, and the mother's like sitting on uh, on the tree. I was like, oh, I think that, that that looks like the same location. What, do, do they film these movies in upstate New York and in uh, like the Portland area or? Um, well, I know that they, uh, the deeper you dig was filmed in, in the Catskills, which is where they live. And, um, mm. if I remember correctly, some of this was shot in the Northwest. Okay. Yeah. But some of yeah. it could very well have been shot in, in the Catskills. Yeah. I mean, beautiful, like a uh, great, uh, use of unique locations, uh, too. You know what I mean? Like, 
Uh, you don't see a lot of like movies that are filmed in like areas like that, and and they definitely like use it to their advantage. Like the atmosphere of this movie is 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 fantastic. Yeah, I mean uh, that's that's common in both of the films we discussed so far. Is that the 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 cinematography is great. You know what I mean? It's just there's there's like these lingering shots and everything looks awesome. Yeah, and there's that cool like drone shot too of, of, of them driving. Uh, that scene where like you know the mom's going into town she buys that like kind of like that crown thing i was like i feel like i've seen that crown before somewhere like wasn't that like it was very similar to uh uh paimon in her in her hereditary oh yeah yeah that that's yeah um crowns are, a, are a big thing these days it seems like. yeah <laughs> you know horns you know crowns stuff like that yeah, you know, it's funny, first time through, I was like, I, I didn't even get why that scene of her going to town is in the movie. But, like, second time through, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I totally get it now. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, we're not going to give away the ending, but, like, did you, I got to say, I kind of saw the ending coming, but not at all in the way they delivered it. That was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I knew that there was a big uh, confrontation coming, but the, the ending itself was was uh was was once again like a, an option that i hadn't really considered yeah yeah it, yeah you, it was like sort of like you kind of saw aspects of it coming but the way it unfolded and went down i was like oh, okay wow that's that's not at all what i what i thought um so yeah i mean it's obvious i i i, I really dug this movie man and i dug it more on on a, a second viewing and I think I dig it more after just like listening to the family, like, you know, your interview with them and knowing like what they're all about, what their, what their vibe is. Like I, I uh, really enjoyed this one. It's a, it's a weird movie. There's really nothing like it. It's yeah, not perfect, and, yeah. but it's, it's very enjoyable, very unique. Like, well, the other thing, which is interesting, it's like, I, I, um, I, I don't ever want to see them, change their process either you know like sometimes you you watch films by other directors and other filmmakers you're like oh if they only had like another million dollars like i don't know how much more money or resource oh i mean resources are always useful to people but like i mean i'm sure money would be great too but like for me personally i'm like i don't, I don't know if these guys need anything more really yeah exactly i like i, I like i said like the they, this movie obviously was not expensive, like, or they didn't have a lot of money to work with. But I thought what, what they did great with, uh, with what they had, and everything looked believable. You know, it wasn't like that was one of the things I kind of didn't like about uh, the, the one before the DPJ. I thought the uh, the effects were were not believable, and actually, and in some instances, I thought they were completely unnecessary. But, you know, here, obviously, they, they play more of a part, and they are necessary, and uh, they're very good. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I think this was, for me, like, a, a big, big leap forward from their last one. Like, the last one had a lot that, that uh, to admire, but ultimately, I think I gave it, like, a two and a half. Yeah, um, yeah you, you didn't give it a very good uh, mark on that one. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, yeah. The funny thing is, yeah. like, I'm, I'm saying like, oh, well, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to see these guys get any more money. You know, like, I think you know, and they're like, well, well, actually, Mike, uh, 
we kind of would need to have, you know, but it's like, <laughs> but I mean, like, a no, big, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, like, like I, you don't want to see them making like a Marvel movie or no, something like no. that. Or like, like they don't, they don't need to have like, you know, like uh Brad Pitt, like playing in the film or anything like that. I like it the kind of the way the process they have is the way it is. It's great. Maybe with, you know, like with more, more resources at their disposal will be great. You know, that's about it. Yeah. Really. You know, well, this seems to be like kind of a hit, um, People seem to really enjoy it, so it wouldn't surprise me if, like, you know, they can get like a, a little bit more for their next one, or like people are going to be more interested in what they're doing. And as long as they can continue to do things their way, I think that you know that that's that's a good thing. You know, we're going to see with um, uh, with Benson and Moorhead, you know, like they they uh, the, the indie guys who who did a lot with the with a little are now playing in a really big sandbox. They're doing a Marvel movie. And we're going to get to see, like, will they keep their identity? Or wait, it's not a movie, it's a show, right? Yeah, it's a show. It's uh, the Moon Knight uh, series that's going to be on um, on Disney. Yeah, they're very curious about that. If they'll maintain their, their feel and sensibilities or if it'll, like, uh, uh, you know, go the Marvel route and just kind of feel faceless. Well, you know, uh, they also have another film coming out called Something in the Dirt. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it hasn't it's supposed to come out soon, I think. And it's um the same process oh. as they made, you know, the endless and and you know, yeah. spring and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, we had, we we talked about the, uh, that. I, I I knew someone that was at work in it, but I'm not sure if they're going to be in the finished film. Uh yeah, very curious about that one. I just rewatched um, those first 3. Well, not the first 3, right? I mean, what I don't know if they're the first 3, but I I I just rewatched uh you know, spring, endless, and um, the other one, uh, resolution. Resolution. I just rewatched all those because they're all, they're all on Shutter right now. Uh, resolution is still my favorite. I think. You know, I am I, I lean towards spring, man. I I I mean, I like I love all of them. Resolution's yeah. great. There's that scene with the French guy out in the woods, which yes. is like that's like my favorite thing in that whole where he's just the exposition about what went on out there. Yeah. You know, the esoteric writings and uh, reflective light and the membrane. It's just so fucking intense, man. And, um, but there's something about spring, which I thought was like, it just, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, um, I really enjoyed it, man. It's, it's like this, you know, Lovecraftian, like kind of, you know, Dagon esque thing with like a, romantic uh drama in there you know and and yeah don't get me wrong spring is great it just feels sort of like the outlier you know what i mean like i feel like all their other movies take place within like the same universe where spring is completely separate from that Well, there is one that there is a a connection to the other two films from spring oh interesting i didn't know the character of shitty dave really is he in spring they mention him Oh, I didn't catch that at all. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, after watching Spring recently in context with the other films, when, when they talked about Shitty Dave, I was like, oh, shit. He's, this is all in the same universe. Wow. Yeah, it's Everyone cool. knows a Shitty Dave. <laughs> well, that, that's the other thing about Spring. Just like the whole um, atmosphere of his life at home, it reminds me of like 
my life in the nineties, I guess. <laughs> like like kind of like sure. all these like lurker types, like the meth guys, like, what's up, bitch? You know, that guy. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, like I can think about twenty guys that I know that were exactly like that dude, you know. Yeah, I, I lived with a guy like that. Yeah. You're looking at my <laughs> yeah. girlfriend? You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and just um, the hijinks that that kid got up to reminded me of like a younger, freer uh, era of my own life. Uh, absolutely, totally agree. Uh, I gotta watch those again. Uh, it, it, it's been on. It's been it's been a minute, especially I think Endless was the most uh, most recently I've seen one of uh, of those three. But um, so for giving out uh, uh, grades for uh, Hellbender, where are you at? I give it a four. A solid four. I, I give it a four as well. Yeah. Uh, first viewing, I would have maybe gone a little bit lower. Second viewing, I uh, really uh, enjoyed it even more. And I felt like I had a better understanding of, of what, it, what it was supposed to be. Uh, like I said, a few issues with, with acting, maybe some pacing things. But uh, overall, a very unique movie. And uh, I think we need more of that in the world today where everything is just, you know, IP fucking movies. And, you know, I, I know at the beginning of the show, I praised how great Batman was and that, that, you know, there, there's a way to do it and do it right. And you're about to see, but uh, I, I just like that. Like you're starting to see more unique, different voices in, in, in horror movies. And you're not just, you know, like I'll take this over a fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre to 2022 any day. Yeah. You know, that was just cynical branding, money making bullshit, you know, but this this kind of stuff is from the heart. Like these people put everything into it like and and it's up on screen. And, uh, you know, that to me is always going to be more interesting than than, you know, junk. Not, Not to say you can't make a great legacy sequel. I mean, we saw with Halloween, it was. They did it well. One of them they did right, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So four agreed. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it, and like, and um, you know, it, it's on Shutter, as well as the Benson and Morehouse films. And there was a huge dump of French films on Shutter. You know, like Livide, uh, Trouble Every Day. Uh, I the, saw that. Yeah, yeah, man. They're 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 not they're not fucking around over on Shutter, man. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to do that to myself and rewatch all those French movies, man. And the fucking shit is brutal. Have you seen Trouble Every Day, the Claire Denis film? I have not seen that, no. I did see Le whatever. Uh, I saw that years ago, and I'd be curious to see it again because I remember thinking, like, wow, this couldn't be more different than Inside. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Well, um, Mike and I are going to be doing Trouble Every Day next episode. Oh, nice. I'll I'll, watch let the cat out of the bag, as they say. Okay. Well, I'll have to watch that before I listen. Yeah. Um, I recommend it. It's got Vincent Gallo in it. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, I, I, I always like seeing him in movies. Prince Vince, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Shout um, out to Vincent Gallo, man. If you're listening, you're welcome on the podcast anytime. Yeah. <laughs> well, more next question I have for you is: Should I wear my black skull ring or my silver skull ring tonight to the movie? Black, black. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, all right, that's the one I yeah. have on right now. All right, cool. All right, see, yeah. So yeah, you know, man. make sure, make sure you sit up right up front and let everyone see it too. <laughs> <laughs> 
um yeah i'm looking forward to that um you know we're gonna actually i gotta leave fairly soon i'm gonna check out the menu and pre-order my my meal because it's dinner time so awesome text me and let me know what you think i'm I'm dying to know what you think of this i will i will so that's it for this week guys and uh, we will talk to you next week take care bye everyone (laughs) 